The scripture reading this morning will be from Proverbs, the second chapter, in verse 1 through 6. If you'd like to follow along with this reading and you didn't bring a Bible with you, there should be a Bible in the rack in front of you, separate from the song books. And if you want to find it quickly, it's on page 561. And I'll give you just a moment to find it before we do the reading. Proverbs, the second chapter, verse 1 through 6. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we want to be an encouragement to you. It's an exciting day for us at the Mount Juliet Congregation being Senior Recognition Day. It's an exciting time of the year with so many people and young people going through transitions in life that are great milestones, and we wish each of them great success. We hope that they'll be even more, uh, that they will be faithful and even grow more in their relationship with God as they go throughout their life. Uh, today, as we have Senior Recognition Day, tonight our seniors, a couple of our young men will be preaching for us and others will be leading in worship and we're thankful for them. We're thankful for Jacob Myers and Tucker Worley and we're thankful for all of our young people and the seniors from high school. You can, of course, as you notice, coming in the foyer, there are a lot of tables and displays there. You can learn a lot about them and see that we have some amazing and wonderful young people and we wish them well. But also we have other graduates here. We have those that graduated Friday night in this very room from Tuesday, Thursday school. And uh, we're thankful for those that participate in the Mount Juliet Church of Christ Tuesday, Thursday school and those that have just completed it. Congratulations to you. Uh, we wish you well on the big move to kindergarten next year. Also, we would have others that have graduated from higher degrees of college and, and graduate and advanced degrees and et cetera. And we're thankful for each of you. And our hope and our prayer is that all of us in our life will use our life to God's glory. A good way to think about that is to think about wisdom. Are you wise? A little boy goes into a barber shop. As he is approaching the barber shop, the barber says to some of the customers there, watch this. This is the dumbest kid in town. He comes in every day and does this. And so the boy walks in and very politely he speaks to the barber and the barber says, hey son. And he reaches back in his cash drawer and right in front of the boy, he clearly places $2 in one hand and $1 in the other hand. And he says, son, which hand do you want? And the little boy looks as if he's having to think about it for a moment and he taps on the hand with $1. And the barber looks at the customers and he says, see, see, I told you. 
He does that every day. How dumb can you be when he could choose the hand with $2? Well, he goes out of the barbershop and a few minutes, one of the customers goes out and sees a little boy sitting on the corner of the sidewalk there eating an ice cream. And the customer went over and said, son, why do you do that? Don't you know that all you'd have to do is tap the other hand and you'd get $2 instead of $1? And the little boy took another lick off of his ice cream cone and with a smile, he said, sir, the moment I tap on the $2 hand, the game is over. <laughs> you see, that little boy had a better understanding of everything that was happening in that scenario than even the adults had. Listen, you could call that worldly wisdom. He had it. He had it figured out. But what we've been studying for the last few months is eternal wisdom. Wisdom that has always been around. It's wisdom that as we studied two weeks ago, it's older than the hills because in Proverbs, the eighth chapter, wisdom was personified. And remember a couple of weeks ago, we read about wisdom standing beside God and literally creation, the universe, all that we enjoy that reflects order, it reflects a masterpiece, is God's wisdom. And God's wisdom can not only create a beautiful sunrise and a mountain range and the life cycle that we appreciate and the season cycling around all of that order, God's wisdom, as we studied a couple of weeks ago, can create a masterpiece in our life. We can find the order and the structure that God would will in our life instead of living chaotic lives if we allow God his wisdom to work on us. Now we saw in that same lesson two weeks ago that now is the time to decide. You see, you don't just naturally become wise. There has to be a time in our life where we make a decision and we commit to saying, I am going to pursue God's wisdom as we just had so capably read just a moment ago in the scriptures that we search for her diligently as a hidden treasure but we also saw just last week an individual who had the opportunity to seek that wisdom. You remember we studied about the life of Solomon whenever he was a young king and God came to him and gave him one wish. What would you ask for if you could have just one thing? And instead of immediately spilling his conversation with God into what his wish was, we learned something valuable last week as we studied 1 Kings 3. We learn that wisdom is not just a product, that you push your, your cart around a grocery store or a hardware store and, and you load up a bag or a box of wisdom so you go and sprinkle it whenever you need it in life. It's not that at all. You see, those individuals that are wise, we learned from Solomon last week, they're individuals that are full of gratitude. Before he would even answer God, he thanked God for the way God had blessed his father. Think about that kind of gratitude. And then before he would even ask, he thanked God for the way God had blessed him. And then think about this humility. He literally, here he was a king, a young king. He could have been arrogant. He could have been self-promoting. But instead he said, I'm like a child. I don't even know how to go in and out. In other words, he was saying, God, I want to take your hand and I want to lead these people the way you want me to lead these people. If you need me to go to the right or to the left, wherever you need me to go, God, lead me. It really was a powerful example of the kind of person that can be wise. But then when he gave his request, the one thing, what do you want, one thing? It wasn't selfish ambition. 
It wasn't so he could have a long life or he could be rich or, or the life of his enemies could be taken. Instead, what he wanted was to have a heart that could properly understand the people so that he could judge them better. He wanted to be blessed so that he could become a blessing to others. That's godly wisdom. It is a life. It is a life that says, God, I want to be formed by you. I want to be led by you so that I can be a blessing to others. It's not a product that we just try, oh, I'm in a difficult situation. Let me see if I can sprinkle a little wisdom on this situation. No, not at all. And that leads us to our study today. You notice in the text that was just read how many times we saw the word wisdom. You notice though underneath that large umbrella, we referred to this for a few weeks now, but let's break it down a little bit more. Notice we talk about knowledge. God talks about knowledge oftentimes when he speaks about wisdom. We need God's knowledge. But then also the word understanding continues to reoccur. Can we really understand the way God would see it the way God would want us to understand what is going on in our lives and around us so that we can make discernment, so that we can make decisions to best apply God's way into the situation that is at hand. How would we do that? Look with me, if you will, to Proverbs, the ninth chapter. We're going to come back to this Proverbs, the second chapter in just a little bit. But I want you to see Proverbs, the ninth chapter. Where would we begin Let's begin where God says to begin. Proverbs, the ninth chapter and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if we were to ask God, God, where, where does wisdom begin? And he would say, in the fear of the Lord. Which, by the way, an interesting study is to go through and look how the fear of the Lord is used in the book of Proverbs. It's in there 14 or 15 times. And you will see teachings like this mixed into almost every one of those. So what is it to say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Now, sometimes we as Christians, we try to dismiss how serious this is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what it says. Do you fear God? Do you fear standing before God on the day of judgment unprepared? You ought to have a fear of the Lord. If you have never studied Romans, the 11th chapter and verse 22, with this in mind, I urge you to jot that down and spend this afternoon studying it to make sure that you haven't dreamed up in your own mind a God who doesn't exist. Anytime we go to one extreme or the other to formulate God in our mind, we miss who the Almighty God is. In Romans 11th chapter, verse 22, he made it very clear that we ought to know the goodness of God as well as the severity of God. And if we do not choose to do right, he talks again about the severity of God and says, he will cut you off. Listen, I need to know about a God who loves me so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for me. I need to know about the goodness of God who is long suffering and gives me a chance to respond to his grace. I need to know about a God who is more gracious than anyone has ever been, loves me more than anybody has ever loved me. His mercy is not shallow, but it is, it is rich and abundant. I need to know about that kind of gracious, loving, merciful God. And I need to recognize that that same God says, I also will punish sin. I will punish sin every time. Any sin that is not forgiven, God says, I will punish. I will cut off those who are sinners not forgiven. 
the fear of the Lord. Do you believe in the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what would that look like? Let's drop back, and we don't have slides for this, but I want this, this morning to, we've, we've been looking at a lot of principles the last two weeks and even up to this point. I want us to look at some things that are just real practical, and by no means is this everything, but I just want us to fan through some pages in Proverbs and see that if we fear the Lord, what is it that we're going to formulate in our mind that is a life of wisdom? Now notice, because of the fear of the Lord, not because we say, well, I feel like this. I think this. No, because the Lord has spoken about it and I believe the Lord. Let's go back to Proverbs, the first chapter. And in Proverbs, the first chapter in verse seven, we have that, that phrase again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now notice in verse eight and nine, he urges his son to listen to the instruction of his father and do not forsake the law of his mother because this young man had godly parents and so it's going back to knowledge. Are you willing to go back to the knowledge that God would give? That's the fear of the Lord. And so what is that knowledge? Well, that son has the knowledge of what God wants, but notice in verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. In other words, son, you're walking over here in the wisdom of the Lord. Your parents have raised you to walk in the wisdom of the Lord. But in life, there are going to be other peers that come around and they're going to say, come over here. Look what we have to offer. And they say in 11, come with us. Let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. What are they hoping to gain? Look at 13. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. So in 18, but they lie in wait. This is what's really happening. They lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owner. What is he pointing out here? He says, there are going to be those that try to lure you in and say, we can fill our houses up with possessions. We can get, how are we going to get it? We're going to take advantage of other people. We'll even shed the blood of innocent people if we have to. But we're going to have all these possessions filling our house. Are you going to consent to it or not? Now, someone says, that's, that's pretty extreme. I'm not tempted to go out and shed someone's blood to gain earthly possessions. People do it every day. But let's go back to just the principle there. What about greed? How tempted are we to be greedy? Can we say, I'm not going to be greedy because, and see, here's where we run into problems, brethren. I'm not going to be greedy because ultimately that makes me unhappy. I'm not going to be greedy because ultimately the lack of contentment stirs my mind and my soul and, and I just don't have good days. That's not a good reason. Those things are true, but that's not the reason. The reason you and I should not want to be greedy is because we fear the Lord. Whatever the Lord asks of me, I want to do. Period. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to justify it. Nobody has to explain it to me. Can you say, whatever God asks of me, I will do it. And so here he says, I want you to gain knowledge. The knowledge of what? The knowledge of God. Why the knowledge of God? Because then we can start to have wisdom. 
We don't have the knowledge of God, we don't have wisdom. We don't have the fear of God, we won't want the knowledge of God. Let's see how this could continue to look. We could go through every verse in Proverbs doing this, but look at the sixth chapter. The sixth chapter in verse 16, he brings out six things the Lord hates and then changes it and says, yes, seven are an abomination to him. The first one, a proud look. When's the last time you've seen somebody around you in secular America say that that was a negative thing? You see, there's not anybody around you unless they are a faithful Christian, unless they're seeking God's wisdom, that's going to say a proud look is wrong. Hollywood promotes proud looks. A lot of parents promote that, hey, self-confidence, build yourself up. Believe that you're a little bit better than all the other kids at school. Believe that you're the one. And after all, in the workplace, if you can't have that proud and confident look, you're going to get stepped on. You're going to get overlooked. If you're going to climb the ladder, nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere in the scriptures is self-confidence promoted. It's a part of the proud and the arrogance that is sinful. We won't get that from secular America, and oftentimes we won't get that from the lips of Christians. But if you go back to the Word of God, if you go back to the Word of God, what you find out is that our confidence is not to come from self. Our confidence is to come from God and the wisdom that God has displayed to us. When we can send our kids off to school knowing that they have confidence in the wisdom of God, where a peer tries to pull them in something wrong, and they're not worried about self-confidence. They're worried about what's the will of God in this. I want to do the will of God in this. I'm going to say yes because it's the will of God. I'm going to say no because it's the will of God. When husbands and wives go off to work or to the community and their greatest concern is, I fear God. What is the will of God? It's going to be a good day in that household. But whenever we go about saying, I want to do whatever builds my self-confidence. I want to do whatever makes me seem and look big. The Lord says, by the way, that's an abomination to me. In other words, he says, I hate pride. There is something so far more superior than you and I. And it is the cause that we want to be a part of in God. Now we could elaborate on every one of those. The lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. You see, any of those we could elaborate upon and we could say and justify by in, in certain situations and by our own understanding how we could, we could justify not to exactly think that that's bad. It's just a little white lie. I don't even see how that little white lie will hurt anyone else. It's not about what we see. It's not about how we can justify it. It is about do we fear the Lord? I want to stand before the Lord and say, I followed you. I put my trust in you. I implored your wisdom into my life. The obedience to God is the beginning of wisdom. Let's turn a little deeper into the scriptures. Let's go to Proverbs, the 11th chapter. What about our business dealings? Proverbs 11 and 1. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but just wait is His delight. Do we believe that? Do we practice our life on that? Would we not take something simply because we fear the Lord? Or do we try to justify it? Well, it's not really of great worth. Well, I know it's not mine, but I don't think anybody will miss it. 
Well, I don't think anybody will care if I take it. Just honest business dealings. Not charging too much for something. Not overcharging someone. Not setting scales so that you can take advantage of someone. God says, fear me. Be wise. Go to the 12th chapter, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. How do you view it when someone comes to you in love and they offer correction to you? Are you the type that back to that pride and that proud look, do you kind of bow up and, and you won't accept it? Or are you thankful when someone comes to correct you? I realize that I don't think any of us could say, oh, it's easy. I love to be corrected. But hopefully all of us could honestly say, I love to be corrected. Do you want to live a lie? Do you want to continue to live in, in confusion and misunderstanding when somebody could come and say, do you realize what you did there was not appropriate? Do you realize what you said there is not true? Do you realize how you handled that business deal was misleading? Listen, according to God, if we fear Him, we're going to welcome those that would offer correction to us. If we don't seek the wisdom of God, we would never encourage people to correct us. I got a little father speech that I've given to every one of our kids more than once on this one verse. When my kids started bowing up on correction and they started rolling their eyes they got the long lecture. You can go through life and you can be a fool. Or you can go through life and you can listen to people that love you, that are wise, and that are trying to help you. Listen, that doesn't shut down once we get to be 18. That's true for every person. None of us have arrived. We're all going to have times where we make mistakes and we ought to welcome someone who loves us and is wise we ought to welcome them to correct us. And if not, God Almighty Himself would say, you are stupid. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? That's what He said. I didn't say that. Look, if you will, over to Proverbs, the 20th chapter. Proverbs, the 20th chapter. Do we fear the Lord? The fear of the Lord begins is what is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 20 and 1, wine is a mocker. Go to a restaurant, you sit beside some people, at first they're sensible, they're reasonable. Let them have a few, too many glasses of wine and before long, they make a mockery of their own life. What is it making the mockery? It is the wine that is mocking them. The very next line, strong drink is a brawler. Why do we even have the term bar room fights? Because strong drink moves people into conflict and violent disputes. And then there's a third one here. Whoever is led astray. See, he's talking about the liquor, the wine leading people's lives. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to drink that much. It's not, going to, it's not going to influence me. Oh, yeah, it influenced you. As a matter of fact, it's leading you right now. And where's it leading you? He says it is not wise. We can never have the wisdom that God offers whenever we don't fear what God says you ought to be afraid of. We ought to be afraid of sin. 
When God says this will lead you in the wrong path, when God says this will make you foolish, we ought to fear God and say, I do not want that in my life. I wish every one of you here could sit on my side of the desk for just a week or a month or two. And you would never have to be convinced of the dangers of anything that is addictive. All God is trying to do here is trying to protect us. He loves us and He wants what is right and best for us. And whether it's substance or whether it's pornography or whatever it is that is addictive, you and I are being very foolish when we start down that path. But note this. That's not the angle we're coming from in this sermon. Has alcohol destroyed the idea of parents being good parents? You better believe it. Has it destroyed spouses from being good spouses? You better believe it. Has it gotten people fired? Yes. Has it caused people to be murdered? Yes. You fill in the blank with anything negative and alcohol has had its place in it. That's not the lesson this morning. The lesson is, I ought to not have to look down the road to see how bad it is. I ought to just be willing to say, God, I fear you. If you say, avoid this, I'm not going to have to experience it to see if you're truthful or not. You say, avoid it, I'll avoid it. I trust you, God. And God says, now you're becoming wise. The beginning of godly wisdom is to be able to say, I will gain my wisdom from God, not my wisdom from living life's experiences. I want to tell you the greatest fools. The greatest fools are the ones who makes up the sayings like, well, young people just have to go out and sow their wild oats. That's how they know what's right and wrong. How ridiculous can you be? Whoever said that had no godly wisdom because they didn't know where it came from. Godly wisdom comes from God. He says, fear God. And that is the beginning of wisdom. You don't have to become an alcoholic to know how dangerous alcohol is. You don't have to become a greedy, materialistic person to know how dangerous greed is. You don't have to become a proud and arrogant person that comes, according to God, right before the fall. And then after you fall, say, I guess the life of humility is a better life. To our college graduates and to all of us that are 100 and below, I beg us to believe this. God is always right. You want wisdom, fear God. God, if you say it, I believe you, I trust you. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to convince me. I fear you. God says, now you're going to be wise. Let's look at one more. Look at the 26th chapter and look at verse 13. Notice he's talking about the lazy person here. The lazy says in 13, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. You see what he's doing there. He's making fun of a lazy person that makes excuses. A lazy person can always give an excuse why they don't want to be productive, why they don't want to be responsible for their areas of responsibility. And they'll make all kinds of excuses up like, oh, I was afraid there was a lion outside my door. So what does the lazy person look like? They look like a door in verse 14 that turns on its hinges. So does a lazy man on the bed, turns over from one side to the other side. And then they even think it's a burden to have to eat. They, they bury his head in the bowl and it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. 
And then notice how foolish the lazy person is. A la the lazy is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. See, now we're back to that other one. Will you be corrected or not? So here's a lazy person, whether a 13-year-old or a 33-year-old or an 83-year-old. Here's a lazy person. And somebody that loves them says, can I give you some counsel? And you could have seven people that love them that are wise. And you know what the lazy person in their foolishness would say? I'm more wise than every one of you. Here's a life that is not productive. Do you believe that God expects us to be productive? Read the book of Proverbs and you'll find out he does. And again, it's not for 21 years and older. This book is for all those that are believers. God expects us to be productive. God doesn't expect kids to get out of school this summer and sleep till noon and stay up till one and do nothing productive. Kids, you can thank me later when you get old enough to appreciate that. There is, there is no good thing that comes out of laziness. I don't care what age you are. It's irresponsibility. It's horrible. It is a waste of life. Life is made up of days. You're throwing your life away when you're lazy. We don't have to live that out to experience it. God says it. God, you say it. I believe you. I fear you. I don't have to go out and run tests and surveys to figure it out. I trust you. Laziness is not good. It's not good with teenagers. It's not good with retirees. I'm not saying it's a sin to retire. I'm saying it's a sin to not be productive with whatever ability of health and opportunities God has given you. The beginning, the beginning of wisdom. It starts with a fear for the Lord. In the last few minutes we have, I invite you back to Proverbs, the second chapter. I know we read the first six verses. I'd like for us to drop down. I'd like to show you verse 10 and 11 from God's holy word. Proverbs 2, verse 10 and 11. I'd like for you to notice the key words that are in here about wisdom and about knowledge and discernment or discretion and understanding. When wisdom, verse 10, Proverbs 2 and 10, when wisdom enters your heart, Wisdom is not something shallow. You don't roll up your pants legs and go in ankle deep and call yourself wise. Wisdom has to be something, the wisdom of God, that you want from the depth of your being. It has to be a part of your heart where you say, as much as anything in my life, I want to be wise. I refuse to live as a fool. God has offered me too much. God has blessed me too much. I will not live as a fool until you won't have your life any other way. In other words, it's a part of your heart. You will not have it any other way. You can't be wise. It has to be a part of your heart. Number two, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Pleasant, welcoming. Do you welcome the knowledge of God? If you're not willing to learn God's way, you can't have God's wisdom. What does he mean, pleasant to your soul? The idea of pleasant is welcoming. I want you to imagine that you received word last week that there's some guests coming to your house Friday. Now here's the question. When Monday rolls around, tomorrow, and you think, oh, they're coming Monday, are you dreading it? Or are you saying, I can't wait? It depends who it is, right? There might be somebody in your life that if it was Friday they were coming, you say, oh, I can't wait for them to get here. I wish it was today. And there might be somebody else who you think, oh, I hope they call and cancel. How do you, how do you view God's knowledge? When you have the opportunity to learn God's will, do you welcome it? You say, I wish it was today. I don't understand. I don't understand 
people that choose to skip Bible class. What an opportunity to gain knowledge. An opportunity to say, God, I want to gather with your people. Hopefully there's somebody in that class that has studied diligently to prepare a lesson from your word. God, I want to gain knowledge. Do you really want to gain knowledge? Do you really welcome? It is pleasant. I love to learn the word of God. Can you honestly say that? I love to study God's word. I love to learn God's word. I can't out of one side of my mouth say, I want the wisdom of God. And out of the other side of my mouth say, oh, is it time for Bible study again? It's either pleasant or it's not. And that determines what path we're on. Look at the third thing. Discretion will preserve you. The idea of discretion is that, uh, that ability to, to like discreetly make decisions. When you take the knowledge of God and you take the understanding of what's happening, can you practice discretion? Can you bring God's will into that situation? Now notice, that's going to preserve you. Why? Every one of us are on one of two paths. Every one of us. There's not a third path. Every one of us. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, he talked about the way to life. And he says, it's a narrow gate he says, it's a difficult way. I didn't say that. God said it, okay? You want to be a Christian? He says, it's a narrow gate and it's a difficult way that leads to life. Every path has a destination. Then he talks about the other path. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. God is wanting to preserve us. In other words, he wants to keep us alive on the path to life, eternal life. The only way he can preserve us is if we have discretion. Can we make decisions that keeps us on the right path? And look at that fourth one. Understanding will keep you. Can you have a proper understanding of really what's happening around in your life and see through the lies of Satan? Satan is the father of lies. He will try to get you to believe that what is happening is not really happening or something that is not happening is happening. That is the lies and the deceitful ways of Satan. If we can see through the lies, we can be kept, if you will. In other words, we can be guarded. We can be on the right path and stay on the right path. So to close this lesson, what I'd like to do is I'd like for you to just turn back. I'd like to just read the text that's already been read and I want you to think about this knowledge that comes and provides the wisdom of God through knowledge, through understanding, and through discernment. Let's read this together. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6, and the lesson is yours. My son, if you receive my words, now notice on the screen I, I put a little K in parentheses there because that's knowledge. He's saying if you'll gain my knowledge, if you will receive my words and treasure my commands. That's knowledge again. How badly do you want to gain knowledge of God? And notice it has to be within you. It's not just some kind of little shallow something you say, that's a good book to read. It's what we live. So that you incline your ear. It's where you listen up carefully to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Can you take the knowledge of God and apply it to your day-to-day -day life? That's a heart of understanding. Verse three. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, can you make decisions? Can you bring it into life and lift up your voice for understanding? If you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure, what if you were told that somewhere around your house was $30,000 treasure hidden and you just have to find it? How much would you seek it? Do you realize the wisdom of God is far, far above 30,000 or 30 million or $30 trillion? There is nothing greater than the wisdom of God that leads us to eternal life. Are we seeking it? Do we even care? 
Look at the next verse. Then, see we've had if-then statements. Here's the then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So we end where we begin. Are you wise? Not have you got a lot of common sense about life. Are you wise? The depths of your heart, you want to be wise. You welcome the knowledge of God is pleasant. You've allowed that knowledge and that wisdom to help you to understand situations. Because of that, you can see through the lies of Satan. And you've made a decision in your heart to bring the knowledge of God into all of your decisions. I know none of us have arrived, but I hope all of us are striving to grow in wisdom this month. I hope you're praying for yourself. I hope you're reading a proverb every day. And I hope we truly are on that journey that leads to eternal life. If we can help you in any way, we'd like to pray with you or for you. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ, we'd like to assist you with that. If you need to come back to that journey, we would love to pray forgiveness with you. If we can help